Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. He's with a man! He's gone to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. What about to McCullum? Shane? He might be trying to shake the sweep one after that first one. I might try and slide one in there. Fast. Well, you called it. It's out. It's run out. Let's come on, Sam. Just head on to the sky. You'll never see that again. Yeah, You think you've seen it all, don't you? Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast, Episode 2 of the Big Bash Preseason, proudly brought to you by our long-term sponsors, Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. I'm your host for today, Max Bryden. The big boss, Timmy Williams, is halfway around the world in America, scouting our conditions for the 2024 T20 World Cup, which will be the first global tournament to feature in the States. And in his absence, joining me for today's episode is the one, the only, it's a super coach, Spy. G'day, Spy. How are you going? Maxi. Good to see you, mate, and good to be back. Uh, mini off-season after the NRL and back into some crickets. I'll give you the tip. I don't think Tim's scouting too much. I reckon he might be in the local Nashville bars, but that's pretty good as well, just quietly. A bit jealous, righty? Good stuff. Maybe scouting a few uh, potential sponsors over there uh, to, to fuel the teams off the field. That sounds great. Mate, I, I think it's, you know, rolling around the cricket season, it's my favourite time of the year. You know, the weather's warming up. The smell of freshly cut grass is in the air. You know, the people want to know that. What does a spy do in the NRL off-season? I'm in that weird period where there's like the footy ends, right? Like we've had some internationals. Uh, NBA sort of kicks in, but there's a little gap there. Spring racing keeps me alive. Unfortunately, my punting this spring has been all-time bad, so I'm a bit down in the pocket, but don't panic, people. Uh, they weren't too big a bets, so we're all right. I've got a, a few things to chase come BBL season, but nah, all good there. I enjoy that on a sad diavo. Uh, like got a zooper-duper in hand as it is summer. Cricket's rolling around and obviously World Cup semis tomorrow night. So um, maybe tonight when this goes live. Pretty pumped for that, eh? A couple of big games and we're there and abouts. Maybe ready to create some havoc against the Indians on Sunday night. Hopefully if we can get through. Hope so, Maze. And just talking about the World Cup, it's been a pretty interesting tournament. What has been your favourite moment from the whole World Cup so far? Probably punters 141, uh, Joe Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Automatically go to that every time I'm asked. Uh, Maxwell, mate. I've never seen anything like it. I think I was was talking on Twitter about it. The only comparison I have to it in sport was when Usain Bolt ran 9.58 world record and he jogged like the last 20. That's probably the only time I've ever been like, what am I watching? Like, this is unbelievable. Those sixes he was hitting on one leg, pretty bloody special. So hard to go past that, mate. Yeah, very special. I think for me, I really liked Marsh's ton in the last game. I think just given the... uh, what was, what was happening in uh, his personal circumstances, that was pretty bloody special and just continued yeah, his coming of age as well. So he's a couple of big boys getting it done for the Aussies of late. Mitchie's genuinely, he could be the best bloke alive, hey. I've loved him for a long, long time. I think everyone does, but he, he had his knockers his last six months between the Ashes and the World Cup. Just warms the heart, mate. What a champion. Absolutely. And getting into today's show, we're going to go through the fixture analysis, which teams to target early on and who to avoid. We'll preview the Sydney Sixers and the Perth Scorchers. And we're going to go into our first edition of the Experts Voice. Now, I'm really excited about this one, Spy, but it's going to take 
the listeners inside your mind and your predictions for this season uh, of BBL Supercoach. And don't forget that episode one of this preseason was a special episode featuring a Q&A with the back-to-back BBL Supercoach champion, Andrew Langley, one of the all-time greats. Uh, and Timmy sat down for him for an in-depth chat with the champ to learn how he did it and how he's planning his tilt at a third title. It's a must-listen for anyone. And, geez, I know, Spy, I'm really excited to have Andrew on board as a contributor for this season uh, with the SE Playbook crew. He's already giving us some gems in the chats, man. You must be pumped as well. Honestly, if there's anyone you want to listen to ever, it's him. It's gone. Who goes back-to-back in a nationwide Supercoach fantasy tournament? It's, it's unbelievable that it's what it is. So fair play to him. Really good bloke as well. Uh, so I'm taking on board some stuff. He's already taught me some things. It was stuff like things I maybe half did and I thought were right, but I didn't fully, fully commit. Now I'm all in after listening to the back of that champ. So, yeah, it's certainly a good learning period. And so there we go, eh? Yeah, totally agree. I think the one word I took away yeah. from that uh, interview was discipline. Uh, he really practices what he preaches and it's the proof is in the pudding. So there's one man you do want to listen to for Supercoach advice. It's the back-to-back champ. Mate, let's get into the fixture analysis yeah. for this season. Now, a couple of changes from last year's tournament were way really the way the tournament's been for a little while. Uh, they've gone away from the uh, the head-to-head teams where they're playing each other twice uh, and the competition is now a nine-round season for Supercoach, so we're definitely reduced. Round one goes for a total week and then there's a five-day break to give some airspace to the Perth Test match, even though between Pakistan, I don't know if it'll go five days, but, you know, they're doing the right thing. Yeah. Uh, and there's a double game week in each round except for round eight. And, of course, in round one, we've got the first ever triple game week. Uh, there's plenty of people on the double in round one as well. We've got the Renegades, the Stars, the Scorchers and the Sixes, and uh, that triple, as I mentioned. There's a lot to take in here, but firstly, I wanted to start with the Heat. How many are you considering for your round one team in this unprecedented triple game week? It's exciting, isn't it? Possibly a little bit of a trap. So I'm thinking maybe four or five at this stage. It might right. even be that I play four depending on the roster, you know. We've got some injury concerns, so we'll see how that's looking. There's four guys I don't mind, and I might even have someone like a Swepson on the bench who might be able to make some cash. Obviously, some extra price rises if you can do well. Stick the, audio, stick the auto emergency on him early game one. If he goes off, you can then bring him into the side. So I think four or five is the mark. It definitely won't be more than that. Um, you can probably jump ahead of what you're about to speak about, but the Heat do have a buy in round three. Um, so to Adelaide. So you've just got to sort of have a little think about what you're going to do. And, I mean, if you've got too many Brisbane guys and you're trying to get them out, then you're stuck with Adelaide on the buy as well. You might find yourself short in round three. So it's important just to be wary of that. Um, so, yeah, probably let's go with four at this stage. Yeah, look, personally, I'm going to go with three, and that's mostly just been driven by the uncertainty around what their 11 is going to look like at the moment. A lot of guys potentially uh, injured, a lot of guys potentially called up into not only the test side but the uh, Governor-General side, which is going to be playing there thereabouts. So um, with so much uncertainty, guys like Spencer Johnson, who I really like, um, and Michael Nisa, um, you just don't know. So it's a big watch on them, and I think it, coaches just need to be flexible heading into that first round. Now, four teams on the double, as I mentioned, the Gades, the Stars, the Scorchers, and the Sixes. Is there anyone who's particularly jumping out, taking your fancy from those sides, and why? <clears throat> Yeah, mate, it's the Gades and the Stars. So the Stars do have a round two buy. But if you've got a couple of them, you can cover that. You can use them as looping options, so that's perfect. I mean, the Gades and the Stars with a double in round one and round three, they're teams to target for mine. So, yeah, certainly looking around that. It's worth noting as well, Perth and Sydney both have the double. However, they then don't have another – Sydney don't have another double for the rest of the season – and Perth don't have another double to round six after two consecutive buys. So I'm very wary of punching in too many big dogs, so to speak, at those clubs. That's the sixes and the scorches. Because what you'll find is going to happen is you're going to be trying to move out your Brisbane Heat guys who are of value. Then you're going to be not so much stuck with the Sydney and the Perth guys, but you're going to find it harder to bring in quality guys from the double in round three from the Renegades and the Stars, because if you've tied your money up already in Brisbane guys, then those guys, then you're going to be stuck, you'll find. So I'm going to go 
pretty easy on sixes and scorches early, given that, and focus the attention probably probably elsewhere, to be honest, mate. Am I right in saying, Spy, and, and for, for the record, I totally agree with you on that, that this is a bit more of a sort of Andrew Langley-inspired change of uh, philosophy from previous years because I, I know in the past I've been really focused on loading up on Perth and Sixers players just given how well those teams score. Um, they're always winning matches. They're always taking lots of wickets. And those guys are typically when you get down to the single game weeks at the end of the season, the types of players you want in your squad. But I know looking at this draw, I'm certainly favouring Renegades and Stars compared to them. So is it fair to say this is new for you? This would be one of the things I spoke about that I was half in on. I always had this philosophy a little bit in my head, but I wasn't probably committed to it as much as I should be. So as soon as the back-to-back champ said it, I just went, he's bang on, isn't he? You take take the value you want, expensive players who play the double. You've got a gun who plays two games. Excuse me, that's exactly what you're after. What you can then do is look, someone like a, um, you know, Philippi from the Sixers, he's around 100K this year. He plays every week, so maybe he's your value. He can still score your points at that lower price and allow you to then load up on guys on the double who are worth more money and therefore uh, more chance of scoring your mass points over those two games. Yeah, it's a good point. I think the wicketkeeper spot's going to be a really, really interesting one this season with so many guys who have been uh, really fallen guns um, in McDermott, Philippi, um, all available at a good price and plenty of guys like Joe Clark, Quinton Cox, even Sam Harper available on the doubles early on. So really a, a massive spot to watch. Um, I think for me to just reiterate my thoughts on that, a, a couple of guys I don't mind from the Brisbane Heat, Bartlett potentially if he's bowling, even though he's got some preseason uh, niggles that he's working through. Love the Renegades and I think that Adam Zamp is going to be one of those blokes who has to be in every single team. The Stars are also the first team to get to um, seven games, given they've got three doubles inside the first five rounds alongside their bye. So yes. I think I think alongside those locks, those set and forget between, uh, I'm going to say Maxwell and probably Stoinis as well at his price, if you can find one or two of those guys in good form, potentially a Steckity this year, then they're going to be really, really valuable as well. Couldn't agree more, mate. Round five, actually... I must confess it's pretty early days in my season in terms of planning, so I haven't done the full draw breakdown yet of what I want to do. But obviously worth noting there that, yeah, the Stars with the double in rounds one, three, and five. Cash money, baby. So lock it in, get through that buy. If you start with, say, two Stars, then you can load that up more as you move on towards those, those extra doubles. So good stuff there. I think one of the other things, Spy, as well, is just remembering that despite the fact that this is only a nine-round season, some of those principles that we see in other forms of Supercoach, AFL, and NRL around cash gen early on, super critical. So I think when it comes to particularly your trades in round two, three, and four, it's really important that you've planned well enough to maximize your players on the double, but still allowing yourself at least one or two trades to bring in those guys with a super negative break even. <clears throat> so you've got a really high team value as soon as possible. Yeah, huge point, mate, that, like balancing out what are you going to do. You obviously need to bring in guns from the sides on the double because that's all about points, but then you still need some sort of opportunity there just to make your money. So, yeah, key point there. Awesome. That's the fixtures down. Now let's talk about the Sydney Sixers, a team that I love dearly and spy. I'm going to assume you do too, although, I mean, do you want to let the people know who you support? I, I don't like the Sixers. Surely we've spoken about this. I'm about, am I about to break your heart? Oh, well, not for the first time, mate. You know, <laughs> when I found out you're married, that, that, that did enough for me. Yeah, sorry, no, I should have given you more warning. Um, no, well, I'm a country boy, right? I think I was explaining this. Maybe last year, if I'm a country boy, so naturally I'm not going to support the Sydney Sixers because they're, they're inner city Sydney. Country versus city battle. So if I'm going to go for anyone in Sydney, it's going to be the Thunder. Um, people might laugh at this, but this is 100% true story. I've been a Perth Scorcher from day one. Uh, obviously, growing up in the country, we didn't have a side, so in terms of locality. At the time of the BBL starting, I loved Herschel Gibbs. He played for Perth, and my best mate is also from Perth. So I was flying over there a couple of times a year, and I love Perth. So I go, oh, I'll go for the Scorchers. They seem good, and they just happen to be unbelievable. So that's been good. But a massive soft spot for the Hobart Hurricanes because Ricky Ponting is my boy. He's my number one hero of all time. So, like, if I'm being honest... Scorchers have had that success. I love seeing them do well, but I would love the Hobart Hurricanes to win it for Punna uh, and the Tassie, Tassie folk down there. 
Um, but yeah, that's sort of where I'm at. But not not the Sixers, mate. Not for me. Well, let's talk about the great rival from the Perth Scorchers and the Sydney Sixers. So jumping into the predicted lineup for the team so far this season, opening the batting right now, it looks like it'll be Josh Phillippe and likely Curtis Patterson with James Vincent number three, um, albeit those three could all rotate uh, with Patterson and Vince swapping between number two and three. Number four, the skipper Moses Enriquez. Five, Jordan Silk. Six, Jack Edwards. Number seven, Tom Curran. Eight, Sean Abbott. Nine, Ben Dorsius. Todd Murphy and Stephen O'Keefe, the spinners. And the players not named, either through unavailability or injury at this stage, would be Jackson Bird, Hayden Kerr, Daniel Hughes, Joel Davies, and the Englishman, the leg spinner, Rian Ahmed. Now, I guess the major changes that we're seeing from last year's squad is the uh, retirement of Dan Christian, frees up a spot at number six, which we're expecting will be filled potentially by Jack Edwards, albeit they've got lots of candidates with either Tom Curran to float up there and potentially Hayden Kerr to come in, or even Hayden Kerr to bat as high as six, given that he did open a couple of years ago in the BBL. So lots to change and lots to play out in these squads between now and starting day. So keep your eyes peeled to the website for all the latest information. Having a look at the draw for the Sixers, they've got the double in round one, no buys, so they're a good team to cover um, in all of those single game weeks. And the known unavailabilities, Rian Armand to miss the first three rounds after being selected in the England T20I and ODI squads for the West Indies Tour. And the injury clouds currently over Stephen O'Keefe with a finger. Jack Edwards has got a bruised heel. And Tom Curran, he was uh, retained by the Sydney Sixers in this year's draft from Spies Boys, the Hobart Hurricanes. Uh, but unfortunately, about a week after the draft, playing in the Caribbean Pre- Premier League, he picked up an injury uh, and he hasn't been cited since. So no word on uh, if and when he's going to be fit and back playing cricket, but a huge watch on there given how much that'll impact the potential for the squad. Now, Spy, I'm going to rattle off a couple of quick-fire questions about your guns, a pod, a value player, a cheapie, and a breakout star. But first, mate, any feedback at all on this predicted 11 for the Sydney Sixers? I'll go straight to something that piques my interest, and it's Jack Edwards, 62K cheapie. He's been in phenomenal touch this summer with the bat and the ball. I should just happen to flick on a one-day match. I'll call it the Mercantile Mutual Cup. I know it's not that anymore, but it's in the blood. Uh, and he hit like 90 off not many. Then he bat- batted out with wickets. So I was like, hello. So if he's 62K batting at six, gee, it'd have to be hard to go past, wouldn't he, at that price and roll? Yeah, look, I would have thought so. He's definitely got sort of breakout star written all over him, uh, given the way that he started his summer as well. Um, so, mate, jumping into your preview, who are the guns that you're looking at from the Sydney Sixers to start your season? So, initially, I just locked – when I first did my side, I just went, Sean Abbott in, Tom Curran in. More I look at the draw and I realise, look, if I've got those two guys in, then I'm going to eat going to be trading out my Brisbane guys. They're still going to be in my side, which leaves about $400,000 tied up when what I really want to do will be getting guys on the double from Adelaide, guys on the double from the Stars and the Renegades. So I don't want all my money tied up in that. So I may pick one of them, but I may drop both of them, to be honest, mate, just around that schedule. Um, I want, as I said, the guns with the double. Uh, but they're the two elite. Sean Abbott's so consistent. Uh, he's obviously playing for Australia now on and off, but I thought he looked better and better as the tournament went on last year. Uh, Tom Curran, I haven't seen him play for a while, but his numbers are phenomenal, and I know he was very good for me in his last year. So maybe I'll put one in. If I do it, it's going to be Tom Curran, just that dual role. He just seems more like a bad end bowl, so I really like him. Um, my only other note is Dorsius, who every year he's just con- Mr. Consistent, flies under the radar, but again with that draw... Uh, sure, he's got a double early, so maybe you can move him on, pot him early, but that's probably all I'm really looking at, mate. Give us your thoughts. Mate, I'd pick the two same players for the guns. Tom Curran at 180K, I think he's better value than Sean Abbott, given he'll bat above him, um, and Abbott's 197K. I think, interestingly for Sean Abbott, if Curran is fit, his role will change a little bit, um, and he won't bowl as much depth, uh, death overs, which means that he, his, his wicket-taking opportunities might be limited just a little bit. Um, but you can't really go past those guys um, for VC options on single game weeks and potentially um, C options as well on the double in round one. Um, and I also had for my pod, I had Ben Dorsch's as well for 183K. He just <laughs> seems to get it done every single season and everyone forgets he exists half the time. So 
That's a that's a really good call, man. Um, looking at your value player, who's sticking out to you from this squad? <clears throat> Look, I haven't gone much more through it to be honest. I just don't want to want to overload the sixes. However, I've got to give a shout out to James Vince because every time I own him, he carves up. <laughs> Remember, it was last year. Me and Tim went for a few beers. I went upstairs and just saw the back end of the innings. Vince was 91. He's like, oh, he's blowing up at me. I'm like, Vince's done it again for me. I'm not sure what price he's starting. I did write it down, but he's someone that's capable of scoring well on his day. He's got a pretty good record in Australia at times, but he can be streaky. For that reason alone, I don't think there's many people in the sixes outside of one person that I'm going to lock in, and that's Josh Philippi. Uh, he's 100K. He's the definition of a fallen gun. If you look at his record throughout the BBL, it's fantastic every year except last year. He was in a funk. Just got to hope he's out of it now. Uh, he's, I, I'm going to assume he's learned some lessons about his technique as well leading into the new summer. If he can get back to anywhere near his best at 100K, he's got, I think, three of the fir- first four games of the SCG. He loves the SCG. He's due a ton. He always scores 90, so he's due a ton. It has to be his season. I feel like he's the kind of guy you could lock in at 100K and just leave him until his price just goes up and up and up and maybe flip him for a double game week guy in like you know, round seven or eight or something. Uh, so he's in for me, mate. Yeah, I think that's a good call. He was my value player as well at 102.7K. Vince, as you mentioned, he's 115K, so a little bit more expensive. Um, and I do remember that round last year where he went nuts because I owned him uh, at the start of the round. And then after Caleb Jewell uh, smashed it, uh, I looped him in and traded Vince out. Um, so I could have had them both and would have been the really highs, nice. But highs and lows. I mean, a great game. That's <laughs> it. But, but look, I think you're right about Philip. He, he always starts the season strong as well. Um, you can always sort of back him in for like anywhere between a 40 and a 60 score minimum to start the season where his head's really in the game. Um, I think last year we learned so much about just the volatility of the wicketkeeper position and um, just how important it is to be able to loop there and if you can't loop there to just not worry too much about trying to nail uh the player there each week josh english was the call last uh last season just sort of set and forget there um so yeah i think philippi's a clear value player from the Sixers squad on to your cheapy mate i'm i'm don't want to take words out of your mouth but you said jack edwards before 62.5k um looks set to have a role with like at number six if not higher um if curtis patterson's either um uh, out of form, uh, given he's not getting selected for New South Wales at the moment, um, or James Vince is any delayed in in getting into the country, he could bat up the top there. Any other cheapies jumping out for you, mate? Not really, mate. Nah, not the Sixers. Cool. And your nomination for breakout star from the Sydney Sixers? <laughs> I'll double up. I don't know if it's a breakout star, but it's a bounce-back star, and that's Josh Philby. I just think he's the man this year to do that job. And as I spoke about, not tie up too much of your salary cap. You've still got mm. a good player. You can plug him in for those singles while spending up on the double game week, guys. I think he's perfect for that. He's the kind of guy that could come out and struggle or reassess if he is. Um, not everyone's going to score for your side in BBL Supercoach, as we know. So, uh, But Josh Phillip is my man. I will mention I really, really love Hayden Kerr. And one of, one of my lessons, which we'll get to at some stage, is trying not to just always put in guys that you truly love. Hayden um, mm. Kerr's capable, and if he gets the role, he could be awesome, but he just doesn't seem to be fully trusted at the Sixers um, just to be batting higher and bowling his four every week. So with that being said, he's probably someone I'll reluctantly avoid, even if named, but he's the kind of guy that could go on a tear at any point. Yeah, look, I agree, and, and there's no doubt I've copped a bit of slack after leaving him out of my predicted 11 um, to start the season, but given the fact that he's a poor man's Tom Curran, um, if Curran's fit, it's going to be tough to squeeze Curran, Abbott, Dorsius, and Kerr into the same bowling lineup um, yep. if they want two spinners, which I know is, is a bit of a hallmark um, for the Sydney Sixers side. So um, if he's in, there's no doubt that he can do a job um, for the Sixers. So it's more of a sort of watch this space, I reckon, for, for Hayden Kerr fans because, um, mate, you're talking to one of the biggest in the country as well. Yeah, beautiful. Mate, that's that's enough on the sixes. Let's jump over to your actual boys, the Perth Scorchers, the reigning champs, back to back, like an Andrew Langley going for their third title in a row. Now, this is a squad where there is a lot of movement uh, based on injuries, based on um, unavailability. Um, so, jumping into the lineup, 
at the moment, opening the batting, I've got Nick Hobson and Sam Whiteman. Sam Whiteman skippering the uh, West Australian lineup of late. At number three, Aaron Hardy, breakout star from last year. Four, Josh Inglis. Five and six, I've got Ashton Turner, the skipper, and Laurie Evans, the Englishman returning. Um, had a hell of a season, was player of the final two years ago for Perth when they overcame the Sydney Sixers down at uh, Marvel Stadium in that was a magnificent final. Um, Ashton Agar at seven, Andrew Ty at eight, Lance Morris, Jai Richardson, and Jason Berendorf make up that team. The other players in the squad but unavailable within this predicted 11 for round one would be Mitch Marsh on test match duties. Hamish McKenzie, the left-arm wrist spinner who's made his debuts recently in the Shield and the One Day Cup. Matt Kelly, the quick. Cooper Connolly and Zach Crawley, the Englishman, who was uh, just the two days ago announced in the England squad uh, for the one-day component of the West Indies Tour, meaning that he will be unavailable for round one. Now, having a quick look at their draw, they have the doubles in round one, six, and seven, and the buys in rounds four and five. It's quite a quirk of the draw that you won't mm. see them for two rounds, and then they've got back-to-back double game weeks. So coaches are going to be uh, really racing to get as many as they can in between those two rounds. Um, the player availability, as well as I mentioned, Mitch Marsh, likely in the test squad, Zach Crawley to miss round one on the West Indies tour. And a lot of injury clouds, albeit people seem to be getting right just in time for the tournament between Ashton Agar with a calf, Jai Richardson's been in and out with a shoulder, Matt Kelly's got an undisclosed injury, and Cooper Connolly had a freak injury on a boat, hurt his toe, but I do believe that he returned to club cricket in WA. So, Spy, I'll tell you, mate, before I get into your questions, anything about this predicted lineup that you'd change or anything that you're feeling different of at the moment? Look, I'll never question your predicted lineups, mate. You're the guru. So I'll take your word for it. Obviously, we'll find out round one anyway. Um, it's just worth noting before we get into the scorches, I just, just checked my current side, which it's early days, this draft, but I do actually have three Brisbane Heat in my starting lineup. I think it was four. It's down to three at the moment. Do have Swepson on the bench there, so it's technically four, though potentially three playing, so just worth noting. Uh, in terms of the scorches, mate, that four-five buy is awkward. Mm. Um, a lot of guys will be priced at probably near their max after a phenomenal season last year. They were so good. So typically in Supercoach, you then realise that they're going to start the price the season at a very high price, which means it's going to be harder to hit their value. Even if they do what they did last year, they could potentially still hover around or, or lose value. So you've got to be wary of that. Um, and the same philosophy, as I mentioned before, if you've got too many in, at that value, you're going to eat into your salary cap and then you're going to be trying to get Brisbane Heat guys out if you've got too many. Um, the thing where that changes, however, is if you don't have too many Brisbane Heat, it, it allows you a little bit more flexibility um, around your trades around the opening weeks. But, yeah, a bit like the Sixers, I'm a little bit wary of starting with too many Scorchers, although that could backfire because we know how good they are. They just share the load so well, so I'm just a bit wary of, yeah, Round one double, fantastic. But after that, do you want too many of those elite guys in from Perth? I'm not sure you do. Um, however, that could be wrong. I think that's a really sensible assessment, Spy. Um, some of your finest, mate, so thank you for that. Um, look, at, jumping into this squad as well, who are the guns that you're eyeing from the Perth Scorchers squad, the ones that are on my list to start with? Mitch Marsh, now we're not expecting him to be available, but, geez, if he is, he's going to be borderline must-have at 197.3K. And Jai Richardson as well, one of the most expensive in the game at $247,000 to start in round one. Any others on your list, mate? Mate, firstly, I spoke about love affairs before and, you know, try not to go with the heart all the time. Anytime Mitch Marsh is playing in the BBL, I don't care if he's worth 500K, he's in my side. <laughs> he's just <laughs> the man, isn't he? Add, the, add to that his current form and his class. He's so good. Um, so do you think he'll be back, did you say, or he'll still be on Aussie duties? More it's than tough to know because he was pulled into that Ashes squad um, halfway through the tournament there and scored a century. So I do think he, yeah, I think so. It, it's arguably between him and Cam Green for that sort of number number six spot in the side now. Um, and on it's current form again, you'd have to go Bison. It has to be Mitch now. Obviously, Cam Green will be there a long time, but Mitch will be playing surely. So we'll we'll find out about that. Uh, in terms of Jai Richardson, he's currently in my side. I've just got to have a little look around strategy, but I'd like to play him in round one with a straight swap probably for Matty Shaw to Adelaide round two. 
uh, the same process. I'll see how that works and see how the rest of my side pans out, but that's what I'd like to do. There is some injury risk, but, mate, in NRL season, there was some injury risk in our, around Nico Hines, who I really wanted, and he absolutely burnt me by worrying about that injury risk. So if he's fit and healthy and the word out of Perth camp is good, he'll be in my side, I think. Um, what are your thoughts on Richo? I'm going to save my thoughts until we get to the Q&A section just because Very we've got good. a ripper of a question from one of yep. our subscribers. We'll so then. we'll hold uh, it In terms of other guns there, Aaron Hardy, I would like your take on what you think his role will be. He's a gun batsman. You think he's only going to get better. If he's also going to bowl overs, very hard to pass up. So love your thoughts, Maxie, on that one. Guys, as you know, Paddy and George from Mortgage Trace SCW can help you with a number of things from wedding finance to debt consolidation. But one of their biggest services is education, especially when it comes to first home buyers looking to get into the market. The boys will let me know that with the new financial year coming into play, that the government has released a heap of new incentives to make it so much easier for first home buyers to actually buy their first place. If you want to know more about these and how much you can borrow in general, go and speak to them. Usually it'd sting you $129, but if you mention SC Playbook, it's a free consult. Guys, to get in contact, flip them a message on Instagram at patandgeorge underscore scw, or call them on 02 9521 All that info plus their emails and more are in our articles at scplaybook.com.au. Yeah, thanks, Bye. I think one of the common mistakes that people make when assessing talent for BBL is that they think just because a player's an all-rounder and they can bowl, that they're going to get the opportunity to roll the arm over. And the, the most obvious example of that is every year, year in, year out, is Moses Enriquez, who might bowl one or two overs max per tournament. Um, Aaron Hardy's a really interesting one because last year, again, he started the tournament, uh, I think, batting number six. Um, was that was that six bowling option for the Perth Scorchers. And I can still remember in that first double game week where everyone brought him in where he was dirt cheap, he rescued an innings where they lost five quick wickets and he smacked them around in the um, power surge. And then in the next game, he got out cheaply, but he took two wickets um, in like two overs randomly or three overs. Um, and scored was the highest scorer for the round. And everyone went, wow, we found this guy. Now, I think that when you're assessing Hardy, you need to assess him as a batman and then realize and, and think if that price is genuinely worth it. The only opportunity that I see that changes that is if they either don't have Ashton Agar to bat at number seven or they only pick four bowlers and they see him as the genuine fifth, which I'm just not sure if he's got the T20 bowling capabilities yet um, to be that relied on. Um, but I think it's a huge watch because if he is bowling regularly in this tournament, then straight away he becomes in the top three best roles in the whole competition, um, in the three in bowling. Um, you know, he, he'd be in the conversation with probably Dan Sams, Tom Curran, um, and even potentially like a match yeah. for, for the best role in the game. So you've got to have a look at him, but I would start from assessing if you want him as a bat only, um, which at 170K is, is pretty big bickies for that. Yeah, if I'm, if, I, if I'm sorry, assessing as bat only, I won't be taking him. Again, it's not because I don't think he can live up to that, especially if he bowls a few overs here and there. But again, with that draw, if I've already got Jai Richardson in my side, I don't want another Perth guy at 180 who may bat only. Um he might be a wait and see. But if we get word of that role round one, and he looks like he will be bowling as well, I'll plug him in for that opening double game week 100%. Looking at ownership, I can already see he's at 20%. Now, Spy, I wanted to get your pod from the Perth Scorchers outfit. I'll start you off with mine. Uh, a guy that I've got big wraps on, and um, I think he'll be a really nice round one um, addition in my team, provided he's fit, which he is at the moment, is Lance Morris. 157000 uh, and only 5.8% ownership um, for a guy who last year scored really well um, and just simply frightened people um, when he got into the team. So he's my pod, mate. What do you think? And have you got any other builds on that? Mate, he's a wicket taker, isn't he? So, yeah, I'm all about Lance Morris. He, I haven't seen a lot of him outside of the BBL last year when he came back from injury. Um, and he's exactly that. When you've got a wicket taker like that, if Perth bat first and score a heap of runs, um, they might be chasing plenty and he can take plenty of wickets there. Uh, I think he could be a good option there. I like it. Um, my pod, it's not someone that's necessarily my side, but I noted you had Ashton Turner batting pretty high. Where have you got him at, mate? Ashton Turner's just going to lock into that number five spot 
just as he does every single year. Yeah. He might push up to four in the occasion that like Josh Inglis is unavailable yeah. or um, they want to put Nick Hobson down at number seven um, or, or number six. But um, Turner will do his usual thing. We've got five and if Agar's away or they're playing on the SCG, he might even bowl one or two. Yeah, he's the kind of bloke, and look, I'm not going to do it, but he every time he bats or Perth are in trouble, you just know they're going to win because Ashton Turner will just get the job done. He's so criminally underrated, that guy. Absolute mm-hmm. gun. Uh, again, around role, though, I don't know if you'll get enough opportunity to justify having him in your side. But look, if you're for those riskier punters out there, if you want to lock him in at that price, it's not too big a gamble, uh, especially for the opening double game week before reassessing. Um, yeah, all I'm saying is the boys' class, but yeah, just opportunity might lack a little bit for him there. Absolutely. I've got Turner as my value player um, and I would potentially look at him. It's just really going to depend on that lineup. Um, if Perth come out in round one, um, they've got Hobson and Whiteman opening with that little bit less experience and potential that they'll be the middle order or have a big role to play. Um, if Agar's missing and they need a few overs of spin, yeah. then I, I've got no hesitations in bringing him in because you know what he can do on his day. Absolutely. Mate, let's let's jump into the cheapies. I've got two here, but I'm keen to see who you're thinking of as cheapies from the Perth Scorchers. I haven't really thrown any in my side, to be honest, mate. So you fire away and I'll I'll take your thoughts on board. I mean, the two that are standing out to me at the moment would be number one at the wicketkeeper, Sam Whiteman, 62.5K, um, returning back to Perth after a couple of years with mixed success at Sydney Thunder. Um, plays a very aggressive uh, brand of cricket where um, really takes on the bowlers from ball one. Um, didn't come off for him a lot of times at the Thunder, but um, he's pretty classy, and I think given um, Zach Crawley's unavailability. He's potentially locked in with a little bit of job security early in the season. Um, the other thing I like about him as well is that he fits into that keeper slot uh, and, and his price as well. So I think that's a really good option. Um, the other guy who's been making waves in the start of this domestic season has been Hamish McKenzie. Um, left arm wrist spinner in the mould of Brad Hogg and Bo Casson before him, um, West Australians, bottom dollar, bowler, um, big raps from Adam Voges. Uh, who said that if it weren't for some injuries last year, he would have played a handful of games for the Perth Scorchers, which um, is a good shout considering that they had Peter Hatzaglue there as their second spinner behind Ashton Agar. So, um, and he's and he's certainly decent enough. Um, but McKenzie is another guy that I think a lot of coaches should be eyeing off um, for their round one teams. Um, if he's named, there's a it's going to be easy for him to make money. Um, and if he's not, then he's a good loop option there. So they're my two cheapies, mate. What do you think? I take all your advice on board. Uh, I'm sort of that stage of the season where I haven't really locked in cheapies, but I have a good look closer. Once I get my squad structure set up, I'll know what I want to do with regards to a couple of maybe non-players um, for the loop purposes and then cheapies outside of that. So, um, But in saying that, given the amount of quality around the 80 to 90K mark this year, I might just spend up that little bit more. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Man, and the final question on your boys, the Perth Scorchers, the breakout star. Who are you nominating this season from Perth? I'm actually going to swap. I do this to Tim all the time. I just make up my own answers and questions. I'm going to go for an avoid. And I'm going to oh. make it AJ Ty this year. Okay. I think he'll be really good again because he's a gun. But he's priced to like 185, 190K. He was phenomenal last year. I think given the draw... People could be tempted to plug him in round one. If you're then going to trade him out, that's probably okay. But again, I don't want AJ Ty, who has to produce at that level again. He's getting older to be eaten into 190k on my cap when we've got all these other sides on like multiple doubles. So I think he's an avoid for me. In terms of breakout star, I don't have the side in front of me. I have to make one off the top of my head. <laughs> Joy <Joe> Richardson again. <laughs> Go past 100 k Yeah, that's it. Maybe it'll be 350K. So, look, for me, I've got, I've got Lance Morris. Um, I think last season his small involvement showed just how quality he can be. And I think that um, provided he's fit, he's almost like between him and Berendorf and Ty, those three look like the the locks um, in this bowling unit to start the season with question marks over Jai, question marks over Agar. Um, so I think Lance is due for a big summer and a lot more people will know the wild thing's name uh, once we're done. 
Mate, that's it for the team previews for this season. We're now on to a brand new segment called Experts Voice. Now, the punters, they're desperate to know what you think about uh, Spy um, when you're thinking about the BBL season ahead. So I've got a couple of questions to fire at you, mate, and I wanted to get your thoughts on all of these. These are questions we're going to ask all of the experts when they come onto the podcast for the first time this summer. I'm going to collate all of the answers um, so that you can have a look at this and have a little cheat sheet for what the best in the business are thinking ahead of this season. So, Spy, I'm going to start. Who do you think will score the most points this BBL season, the most super coach points this BBL season? Mate, before I answer, I think you just panicked a few people when you said that's the end of our season previews for the season. I think you made it for tonight. <laughs> just for tonight, mate. We'll be, we'll be back. We've got six more teams to rattle through. Plenty of time to go through the preseason, so don't panic there. Most points, Glenn Maxwell. Career best form, confidence. He, I assume he's bowling. He loves to bowl. Uh, I just think he's going to find a next level and destroy Love that. Him. I would say Jai Richardson, but I'm just question if he if he plays every game and he does have those shoulder issues at times. So I'll go uh, go Maxi. Yep, nice. Okay, and your cheapy of the year nominee. I'm torn between two. One is Mr. Sanger. From the Thunder, legs is leg, isn't he? Leg spinner, leg spinner, eighty three k. Yep, just outside cheapy range, but we'll almost yeah, give you I've that. Just snuck him in there, but you know what? I'm taking it. <laughs> this is our <laughs> podcast, mate. We run this show. Um, he's been in my side a couple of years ago, and I loved him. The fact he's eighty three k, I just think he could be the kind of bloke just to plug in and just leave him there for the season. Uh, if he reaches like an awesome amount where you can trade him for, for value for a double game week elsewhere, sure. But I just really, really like him. The other one is, and it's it's a bloke that's so classy, and he, he's another one that always does, does a job for me. It's Ben McDermott. He's also around the in the 80K mark. Not quite a cheapie, but he's very cheap in relation to what he does. So he's another one. I hope he has a bounce back and some good scores. He couldn't quite get going last, last year, could he? No, his end of his season really killed me, um, yeah. and I haven't forgotten that. But I probably will go go, go back to the well this year for sure. Yeah, in terms mate, of cheapies, so- as I said before, mate, like I just I probably haven't looked that hard into cheapies. I'll probably do that last once I set up my mm-hmm. squad structure. So that's about all I got for you on that one. That's all right, mate. I'm sure you can also do it later this week when my cheapy article goes up on the website. So that'll be like- a really good steer for you and any listeners. Beautiful, mate. N- next question: Who is your round one? Pod. My pod's Joe Richardson. He's worth 247K. He doesn't have the doubles coming up after our month, so I'm thinking people might avoid. I did check his ownership. I don't think it's overly high. 12.2%. 12.2%. If my Brisbane Heat VC fails game one, mate, he'll probably be my captain, to be honest. Um, I think he could be a really good shout early uh, with a straight swap for, yeah, probably Matty Short in round two or any of those other Adelaide guys if you want to free up cash. Um, I talked about not overloading sixes and scorches, but there's no harm in having a couple. And if he's my one gun from those sides, uh, easy to use one of those trades to get him out um, and seek value elsewhere. But Jai Richo pod round one, pending obviously fitness. But yeah, he should be right, hopefully, at this stage. Nice. Uh, who is your top three must-haves? I only have one. I only think there's one must-have this year, and it's Glenn Maxwell. Outside of him, I think it's wide open. There you have it. Uh, who will be the most improved player this season? We spoke about McDermott getting back to back to his best. Um, I know you'll be more around the sort of the bloke like maybe a Jack Edwards who just comes out of the clouds and just improves out of sight. But I've gone with – I've just noted down Josh Philippi and Marcus Stoinis just to bounce back to somewhere near their best. Um, so not necessarily most improved in terms of – they have never done it before, but based on last season, back to getting what they do. And in terms of cheapies, again, I'm not sure yet, but Jack Edwards more than capable of just going bang out of the clouds. Cool. Which two clubs will make the big final? Oh, I really want to put the, the Mighty Hobart Hurricanes in, but I think it's going to be Perth Scorchers and the Melbourne Renegades. Uh, load that up on your on your accounts, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> wow. So you're not, not giving the Sydney Sixers the nod? Uh, you no, know, I'm not putting them in. I'll be there and about, so they always are. Yeah, fair enough. And then the final <laughs> question, the biggest learning from last year for this season? Biggest learning, yeah. So I've got a couple. Um, I was mentioning on, might have been the last NRL podcast, but 
I've been taking on board Andrew Langley stuff a lot. I also bought a book for like five pounds from England and it was the winner of the Fantasy Premier League uh, worldwide last year, so six million people. He also came 214th the year before. So much like Andrew, you go, okay, this mm. bloke knows what he's doing. Like obviously yep. something's working. So I had to read Got a formula. It. And it's nothing groundbreaking, but you mentioned it's around like sort of discipline and sort of understanding what you're trying to do and achieve. Uh, what does I take out of that? In terms of BBL, my lessons I've learned were, we've already spoken about a lot tonight, is don't tie up my value, my salary capping guys who don't have the best schedule over a two, three round period. You want the guys the elite guys who play the most games just to maximize those points and then plugging in you guys at a cheaper rate uh, who can do a job for you without tying up the salary cap. I think that's the formula for success. Um, what do we got next? Probably, oh, I love Andrew's thing where he said, pick how many numbers you want from a side on each round, then put in the players rather than picking players and then having a look at, oh, I've got four, do I do this? So don't worry too much about who you're picking. Just figure out round one, I want three heat, three renegade and two stars, and then a sixer and a scorcher, whatever it may be. Then pick who you want from those sides. It's a good formula. I've never done that, and I love it. As we know, worked for Andrew, so you got to listen to him. Um, I think that makes sense. There is a bit more work there if you want to do it for the season, but – even if you don't want to do it for the season, do it for the first couple of rounds. Um, get your season off to a hot start and go from there. I'll personally sit down and, yeah, figure out what I want to do for the season uh, and then have a plan of attack just to make it all happen, ideally. it's a couple of boosts there as well. I'll probably keep those up the sleeve um, and have them around the busy period later in the year when we might need them. Number three, I've mentioned it, but um, learn to fall out of love. I'm just so loyal to certain guys sometimes. I just want them in my side. That's fine if they're in form, if they've got the role, but just to understand, like, you know what, maybe Hayden Kerr's not going to go off like he did a few years ago. So just to step back and say, all right, might need to be someone else, but they're my three coming into this year. Outside of that, mate, I'm pretty confident uh, and comfortable in what I do. Uh, but, yeah, it's good just to have a few more things just to really laser in on and go, all right, let's 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 stick to this and, and do it properly. Well, thank you, Spy, and that's expert voice. Now, I mean, let's jump into a couple of listener questions. Um, this one I teased out a little bit earlier, but Simon from the uh, SC Playbook community has asked, Jai Richo, what likelihood of him playing both games in round one and will he be effective away from Optus? And then the final with the question, which you've already spoiled, is is he in your team? So, mate, what are your thoughts on Jai Richardson? Well, I'm going to throw it straight back to you, Mr. Host. I've given you my <laughs> thoughts. He's in my side at the moment. Do you think the shoulders are worried? Do you think he plays both? And I haven't looked at his numbers away from home all that much, but I'll just back in the talent. Yeah, look, I think the thing in the Perth Scorchers' favour with these with the first round double is that both of the games are in Melbourne. So they start their season against the Renegades on the 10th of December um, at Geelong. And then three days later, they're playing at the MCG against the Melbourne Stars. Perfect. So That's good. Yeah, and I think that those venues, like, they do suit bowlers. Um, probably Geelong more so than MCG. MCG can be milked a little round, uh, a little bit around for singles and twos without necessarily sort of taking the risks unless it's a big score. But um, Geelong, I think he's every chance of, of going big. Um, there's too much mystery around the shoulder for us to really definitively answer, is he going to play um, until we get out to the start of the tournament? But... All the sounds coming out of WA seem to be a lot more positively in favour that he will uh, play a big role in the tournament. So um, he's a lot of money, but he will give coaches a very easy stepping stone to, to match short in round two. Um, I wouldn't expect him to be a guy that's sort of set and forget for the rest of the season because I think at over $200,000, that they're the types of players you need to work up to and not start with because it's just too much money. Fair enough. Love it. Next question comes from the Backs Back Running Champs, Andrew Langley. And he asks, should we be starting with Darcy Short in our squads or watch him and reassess for their double game week in round two? What do you reckon, Spy? Look, I've got him in there at the moment, just around the price. I'm not super keen on doing it. But look, if his role is going to be good, he's in Adelaide now. What a strip to bat on, just quietly. Short side boundaries. He loves that. Um... 
the reason I probably want him in there is because I can put him on my bench round one without tying up value elsewhere for my starting lineup, and then he's just good to go. Uh, I can probably even for round two auto emergency loop him if needed. If he fails around the first game, I don't even have to play him. At 67K, he could be hard to leave out, but yeah, he's far from a lock depending how sort of the side ends up looking closer to round one. But, I mean, he looks pretty handy at the moment at that price, role, and schedule. Yeah, I think for me, I've got him in my squad right now. Um, but I think it, it really depends. The, the unfortunate thing about Darcy is that when it, when it goes wrong for him, it goes really wrong um, and he'll score really low like he did last year. Um, and realistically, he's a decent trade-in option um, given that if you're trading out Brisbane Heat players, you're going to be making at least 30, 40 grand on those trades given his price is so cheap. So um, I don't know. I probably, I, think want, I'm going to... I probably want one cheap striker to start and that's why mm. I'm like, maybe it's him. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's a bit to unfold there. The thing that I'm loving is the fact he's batting at Adelaide. So mm. oh, gee, it's a good place to bat. That's it. And you see what it did for Chris Lynn last year. Yeah. With Gillespie, the environment, the, you know, the conditions. Yep. Um, there's every chance that it, that it won't be hard for him to be better than he was last year, albeit he's making it look really tough so far uh, in grade cricket and uh, yeah. domestic cricket so far. So um, a bit of a dealer's choice. I think personally I'm going to start him and Rashid on my bench. Yep. Um, the way I've manoeuvred my money so far is making that possible. Um but it's just a big watch. If he's showing any kind of form in a practice match, then yes, absolutely. Get him in and then don't think twice. Awesome. Well, Spy Mate, that will do us. Episode two of the SE Playbook BBL podcast in the books. And thank you so much for joining us, mate. And also a big thank you to our long-term sponsors, Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SEW for their support. So the Spy Mate, you'll be back. I'll be back for more preseason content for all the the listeners every single week from now until the season starts. We've got plenty more previews to go. We've got cheapies, mid-rangers, premiums, team reveals, all type of stuff happening on the website. Spy Mate, what a time of year. It's exciting, isn't it? How bloody good is it? Uh, good to be back. Awesome to chat. Uh, it's nearly 11 o'clock here, so a couple of big efforts from the boys after a big day. Um, we'll chat soon and hopefully after the Aussies towel up the Indians in the World Cup final. That's it. Well, thanks for joining us, Bye. Thanks for listening and we'll speak to you again soon. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 